0: Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Hi guys, how are we doing? Good? We got a hurricane coming, I heard? It's all right, I'm on a plane out of here as soon as it's done, so we're good. Uh, Man, I say this every time and I'm never gonna quit saying it. It's such a good day to be alive. Today's the day of salvation. I'm in such a good mood. I've already had like eight cups of coffee. I had an apple this morning, so look out. I won't stop, I'm gonna burn some calories up here in the next few minutes. Uh, If you're visiting, my name's Chad. I used to be a visitor and a guest speaker, but now I just feel like family because I've been here so many times now, and every time I get on a plane and get to come back here to El Dorado Hills, it is such an honor and it is such a privilege. How incredible was that video of Carter and his family for the baptism, was it not? I don't know if the family's in here right now. Carter, I don't know if you're in here right now, but every Sunday, it's a tradition now, after the service is over, uh, Carter and I get to talk and we get to pray together. And I am like you guys, just believing that God is gonna continue more and more to just heal his body from the inside out, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, that the Holy Spirit in him is gonna be too overwhelming for that cancer to continue to exist. I just believe that with childlike faith. So Carter, if you're in here, I just want you to know from one friend to the other how much I love you and how proud I am of you for a kid your age showing such perseverance, (laughs) such faith. You're teaching us, and so thank you. That said, here's my pitch. Bapt- I, missed, I missed the best Sunday by one week. Baptism Sundays are my absolute favorite. It's the ultimate sign of health and the sign of, of life in a church, and so do not miss this next weekend. If you've long been baptized, please come celebrate that. Come be a part. Come worship through that and watch just the ultimate proof of uh, life change. I'm gonna pray, and we're gonna jump right in. Heavenly Father, in these next few minutes, would you just do what only you can do? I'm gonna talk my best and I'm gonna do my best, but it's so much bigger than that and it's so much more important than that. So Holy Spirit, just, just be with us and meet with us in such a precious and special way. I pray we walk out of these doors better than we walked in and I pray this in the name of Jesus and everybody said, Amen. So uh, I spent 18 years in Denver, Colorado. We recently, a couple years ago, moved to Austin, Texas. But uh, we lived in a suburb of Denver called Littleton, Colorado. And at our elementary school, and I have, as you know, I have four kids. um, And I always tell you, I should have had two. I haven't changed on that, but we'll move on. Um, uh, And what they did at our elementary school was really cool, because I have three boys and I have uh, one girl. But every year, they would host a daddy-daughter dance. And this was one of my favorite things that I ever got to do all of her years in elementary school was the oh-so-coveted elementary school daddy-daughter dance. It was a beautiful thing. But to kind of offset that, they also would have this. They had a mother-son sports night which wasn't exciting for my wife. like <laughs> way, I was excited to go to the daddy-daughter dance, and here's why, and I got permission from my wife to tell you guys this, so I'm not a bad husband, lest you think, but um, my wife, these nights would be really tough for her, but she went to every single one with every one of our boys at the elementary school um, because, and I don't know how to say this nicely, so I'm just gonna say it, uh, she's not athletic uh, at all. Um, And she would be the first to admit that to you. And so when she would go, it was a little bit of a vulnerable experience because she wanted to participate. She wanted to be fully present with the boys. She also wanted them to be proud of their mom. And so she would just go and bless her little unathletic heart. She would just give it her all. And the last one that we ever participated in or that she went to uh, the last year of, of being in school there Uh, They had this thing there, this obstacle course that was like bouncy house type obstacle course thing, and it was called the gauntlet, and it was called the gauntlet for a reason, and from what I was told from that experience that night, there was only three moms. All the kids went through it like crazy. There was only three moms that were courageous enough to get in there and try the gauntlet. Now, one of the last people that should have been one of those three moms was my wife, right, because she's just not prepared for stuff like that, but for some reason, and I don't know what kind of spirit, good or bad, came over my wife, but she was one of the three moms that said, I'm going to do this gauntlet thing. I'm going to make my boys proud. I'm going to show them that I'm not afraid to do anything. And so she, she went through the gauntlet and I am so grateful that one of her girlfriends that was there that night pulled out her iPhone and filmed it. Watch this. for it. I love you for trying. I love you for trying. Yeah, you can clap for her. She earned that one. I love my wife. I got permission, obviously, from her to show that video, and I had to take her on a date night to do that. I also have to pay my kids royalties whenever I tell stories about them from up here. And so um, I'm grateful to Hills Church for allowing us to have a date night so I could show that uh, video. If, you, if you're taking notes this morning, uh, the title of the message is this, I love you for trying. I love you for trying. Now, I'm gonna give you a bit of a disclaimer. This message is deeply and profoundly personal to me. In fact, I've been sitting on this message for the last two years before I ever decided to write it or before I ever decided to talk about it and uh, put it out there. Um, But we're gonna go, if you have your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 14. And Matthew chapter 14, in my opinion, is the quintessential I love you for trying moment. It's as absolutely as good as it gets and put a bookmark on that, we'll get there. But I wanna give some context for where we're going this morning. Uh, In 2021, I had probably, I would say in my 49 years of life, I had the hardest year of my life. It's just like the stars, all the wrong kind of stars aligned and everything in life was just not going as well as I had dreamed it to be at this point in life. Uh, Nothing seemed to be working. I was uh, putting myself out there and trying so many different things to be the husband and to be the father and to be the pastor and preacher that I had always dreamed and hoped to be. And it's just, have you guys ever had, come on, we've all had it, it's called life. Those seasons, maybe some of you right now, you find yourself in one of those seasons right now where you've got a good heart, you really do have good motives, you genuinely, genuinely want to live a life that brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ through how you live your life, but it just seems like so many things keep coming up against you, even though you're trying so hard and there was... There was one night where I was uh, supposed to be preaching and I was was in Chicago and I was in my hotel room and I was doing my normal pre-preaching stuff. I was praying to God. I was trying to get my heart ready for the message. I was looking over, getting familiar again with my notes and I was so distracted the whole time that I was trying to prepare to go preach that evening because life in 2021, that was my year. It was just absolutely handing it to me. And I was just so distracted. And all of a sudden I just quit preaching or excuse me, I just quit going over the message. I quit uh, praying about the message and about the church service. And I started pacing in my hotel room pretty fast. And I just like the psalmist, man, I started talking to God. I got so real and so vulnerable with God. And I was just telling him about my year, like he doesn't already know. Right. But I was just going through my year and I was going through all the ways that I had put myself out there and that I was trying to do right in so many different areas of life and everything just keeps coming up short and frustrating. And at one point as I was praying and it was getting more passionate, all of a sudden I just felt myself bawling by myself in my hotel room, just bawling. And I was losing words and you know me, I have some words. I was at a loss for words. That's how I know it was getting real. And I finally mustered up the energy to just say one more thing to God before I quit praying. I just looked up to God and I wasn't shaking my fist at him, but I was just crying out to him and I said, God. And I was just bawling I said, I'm trying, I'm trying. Have you ever been there before? And I just went and I just laid prostate on my hotel bed, no more words, and I just laid there for a good while and I cried. And there's this verse in the Song of Solomon that I love. It says, the Lord has brought us to his banqueting table. His banner over us is love. And I'm at the risk of sounding hyperbolic or sounding like I'm being dramatic for the sake of a sermon. I promise you when I tell you that this story is completely true I'm laying on the bed and I'm just sitting there crying and I'm empty and I have nothing left and I'm supposed to go preach in a couple hours. And as I'm laying there, I literally felt the blanket of God, the, the, the banquet of God, meet me in that hotel room. It's the closest thing I've ever had to like a spiritual mystic moment where the presence of God was so tangible and palpable and so felt and so strong and I wasn't talking, I wasn't praying, I wasn't trying, but I just felt him cover me in so much love. I felt a supernatural strength. I felt a supernatural encouragement that didn't come from people or man. It was literally coming from the presence of the Spirit of God in that hotel room. And then I'm, I've never heard an audible voice from God. I think that would be terrifying and I think it would be awesome. If any of you ever have, please talk to me after service and teach me your ways because I want to at least once hear that. I didn't hear an audible voice, but you guys know how this works. The longer you have a prayer life over the years, the more you you start to know the voice of God. In fact, Jesus said in John 10 that, that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And I am telling you, it might as well have been an audible voice because in that hotel room, I could hear so loudly and with such kindness and sincerity, I heard the voice of God saying this, son, I see those tears, I feel your burden, And then I felt him say this to my heart so strongly. I absolutely love you for trying. I love you just for trying. Now here's here's the problem with that, Hills Church. We have been born into a culture that gives very little credence or attention or anything to this idea of of trying. Hollywood doesn't make movies about triers. They make movies about uh, utter success and utter failure. But here's what's crazy about that spectrum between what we have defined and called success and failure is on the one end of of the spectrum, which is success, and on the other end of the uh, spectrum, which is failure. I have just learned in, in my time on this earth, most of it is spent in the middle of both of those two things, spending a lot of time as human beings just trying things. It would be horrible if the God of the universe created us and then was just paying attention to us based on nothing more than our successes and our failures when we spend most of our time and most of our days and years in this life doing this little experiment simply called trying things. And I just came to encourage you guys today that I believe with everything in my heart that it is the try that is the most sweet and beautiful act of faith, not the outcome. It's the willingness to bring glory and honor to Jesus through your tribe. But again, the world doesn't love this. I was talking to a friend about this message knowing I was about to write it after two years of sitting on it and somehow we started talking about Star Wars because my friend is a big Star Wars nerd. Do we have any Star Wars nerds in the room? Are you all single? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Kinda, not really, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, 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 I'm ta- he's the guy that, you know, he goes to the midnight showing Right, when, when the new one comes out and he's dressed in a costume and he waits hours to get his tickets. And again, I told him one day, I said, this is why uh, you're single. I chose marriage over Star Wars, but it's cool. No, but I'm talking to him and I said, you know what, in this message, I'm gonna take issue with the great little green sage, Yoda, with one of his most famous quotes because I'm not sure that I fully believe it to be true. And here's the quote, put that up on the screen and I'll do my best impersonation. Forgive me ahead of time. Do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> well, that was more Kermit the frog asked <laughs> than Yoda. I'm sorry. I won't do that again. I did my best. I tried. All right. Forgive me. But I remember thinking about that. This is arguably his most fav- famous quote. Some of you have been very inspired by that. Do or do not. There is no try. And I, I read that as a professional trier and I go, well, Yoda, man, that's pretty black and white, man. There's a lot of nuance to this thing called life and you're not real anyway, so let me talk to you for a minute, Yoda. I do think there's some value in the try. I think there's beauty in the try and my Star Wars nerd theologian friend, he started talking to me, he goes, wait, wait, before you get on to Yoda, here's what I really think he was saying when he said that was simply this. He was saying, look, look, if you're going to try things in life, just go all in. Don't think so much about success and don't think so much about failure. But when you try things in life with an honest heart and with a vulnerable heart, just go all in. And I said, okay, I'll I'll, I'll meet you in the middle there. And if that's true, then I can get behind something like that. But Hills Church, I'm gonna hopefully say this 20 more times before I'm done being up here today. God right now loves a bunch of you who are frustrated and who are tired and who are burned out and who are having a 2023 like I was having in 2021, where you are giving it your best and you are trying so many different things and none of them seem to be sticking and working. You have a God who knows your heart and you have a God who in the trying absolutely loves you. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to the word for it. This is Matthew chapter 14. This is the famous story many of you are familiar with. If you're newer to church, this is a really cool story. It has like a Star Wars moment in it. This is where... uh, Jesus comes to the disciples in the middle of the evening, middle of the night, and he's walking on water. Let's read, starting in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of them to the other side. Jesus had just a few hours before this turned two loaves and five fish into a meal for almost 15,000 people. So they were on the back end of seeing the supernatural unexplainable yet very real power of God. They were hours away from that and now they're about to see it again. He made his disciples get into a boat and go ahead of them to the other side while he dismissed the crowd from that meal. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. In other words, there was a storm, a little Hurricane Hillary coming in on this sea. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. There it is, the Star Wars stuff. I mean, awesome, right? Unprecedented. Never seen before and never seen since. He's walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. And don't get all self-righteous 2,000 years later. You would have been too. I would have been too, right? They're like, it's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But listen to this. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then, Of course, the apostle Peter starts being Peter. Pete Pete's right here. And he speaks up first and he says this. He says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied. (laughs) Listen to the audacity of this. If it's you, tell me to come to you on the water, right? To which I picture the other disciples going, Pete, shut up, dude, sit down, right now, sit down. Like, you do not know what you ask. Like, did you literally just ask to break the laws of physics with Jesus? You idiot, sit down, trust us, this is not gonna end well for you. This is not your lane. This is Jesus's lane, right? But Pete, just in his divine naivety, right, which I love, he says, hey, if it's really you, then can I do it too? You know what he says? Like a little kid, hey, hey, dad, can I try? right? And, and we talk about this often here, but Jesus literally tells us multiple times in the gospels, if you wanna enter his kingdom, the entry point to the kingdom is to have the divine naivety of a child. It's called faith. Don't, don't you, come on, moms and dads, you see that all the time with your little kids. If mom can do it, then I'll do it. When my wife got in that gauntlet, as you see, she probably shouldn't have, like that was sending a message to my boys. Hey, you can get in here too. I, can I try that? If my mom did it, I can do anything. If I can see my mom doing it, I can do anything. If, if dad's doing it, can I, can I try? Now, you would think Jesus would be like the 11 disciples and be like, Pete, I I really appreciate this and this is great, but I'm gonna do some good parenting. I'm gonna keep you out of a precarious situation. In fact, there's a tempest, there's a storm right now. This is really dangerous. Plus, nobody in the history of the world as a human has ever broken the laws of science like this, like I'm doing right now. So I love you for asking, bud, but I'm gonna need you to do the safe thing and I'm gonna need you to stay in the boat. Doesn't that make sense? That's what I would have done. But when Pete says, hey, hey, Jesus, can, can I try? Listen to the heart of God. Listen to what Jesus' response is. He says, come, come on. I love it, son, let's go. To which I'm guessing, just I try to use my holy imagination here and put myself in Peter's position. I, I, I would be like going, oh, wait, what, you, you, I can? I didn't, you weren't supposed to say yes. I just wanted to sound tough and courageous. In front of my friends, oh no, what do we do here? Like, I got a problem now. He said I could get out of the boat, right? And you ever have these conversations in your mind? I have these all the time. They're only about 10, 15 seconds long, but they feel like about five minute conversations and they're super eloquent and impassioned. Like I would have had this and I'm guessing Peter would have had this like, oh no, what did I just do? Like, let me put it in 2023 terms. I would have, the minute Jesus said, yeah, come on out. I'd have been like, "Uh, hold on Jesus, Uh, Siri, what's the definition of risk reward, (laughs) right? She's like, okay, here's what I found on the internet. If you'll go to the ancient Hebrew scriptures, particularly Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 30, you will get the single greatest picture of what risk reward looks like. Sorry, that was dumb. I won't do that if I ever preach this again. Okay, loud and clear. I, I read you guys. But I wrote in my notes here, just, just real quick, thinking about this moment, I just, I just went over the risk rewards that Peter had to be thinking of in real time as he was about to get out of that boat. And I put first risk, well, what if it doesn't work? To all you triers out there, Right, that's a real fear. What if it doesn't work? But then I wrote reward, what if, what if it does? Risk, I wrote, if it doesn't work, I am forever the butt of jokes to my 11 friends. Do I really want that? Is it really worth it? But the reward, if it works, I just gained a newfound respect and honor and influence in the life of my 11 friends forever. I wrote risk, this is a big one. What if I disappoint Jesus? Because it goes bad. We all feel that when we're, trying to, when we're honestly trying to serve sincerely Jesus. What if, what, if, what if in my trying, I disappoint Jesus? What if it goes really bad? Reward. What if I deeply in this trying really please the heart of Jesus? And then I wrote biggest risk, and this one's just practical. What if I drowned? <laughs> there's a storm, there's a tempest out there. What if I go out there, this goes bad, something happens. He's a professional fisherman. He understands what those waters can do. He understands that waves are undefeated on humans, like they, they just win. What if I drowned and then I wrote though, biggest reward? What if he looks back and goes, that day was the day I was most fully alive? And Hills Church, I just want you to know this, this weekend, faith will always be a risk reward proposition. Faith will always be a risk-reward proposition. But here's some really good news. Faith is never blind. I'm gonna be honest with you. When you try some things for the glory of Jesus, when you step out in faith in any area of life, it is going to, risk is always gonna ask you to throw some caution to the wind. This is why so many humans are naturally risk-adverse. Is because it's always gonna ask you in certain moments to throw caution to the wind. But here's some really good news. Well, faith will at times ask you to throw caution to the wind. Faith will never ask you to throw wisdom to the wind at the same time. You understand that? It never will. And here's my point. Do you remember what what Peter said when he asked to walk on water? What was the first thing that came out of his mouth? He said this, Lord, if it's you, there's the wisdom. Like, I want to do, I want to try some things. I want to take some chances. I want to exercise my faith. I want to go for some things in life, regardless of if I fail or if I succeed. I just want to go for some things. But, but here's what he does that was brilliant, that most of the time we read this and we look right at He goes, no, Lord, if it's you, then tell me to come out onto the water. Like if if you're the one putting this on my heart, then I believe anything is possible, not because of me, but because of you. So Lord, if it's you, so faith, will always at different times when we are risking for the glory of Jesus, ask us to throw some caution to the wind to put on our big boy pants, to show some bravery, to show some, show some courage and initiative, but it will never ask you to throw wisdom to the wind at the same time. The Bible goes on to say this, Peter got down out of the boat. It's like he's really doing this now. And listen to this, this is awesome. He walked on water. As far as we know, he's the only human, of course, apart from Jesus, to have ever done and probably will ever do something like this. He literally walked on water and came towards Jesus. We don't know how far he got before things got real, but it says, when Pete saw the wind, he was what? I get it. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, this literally happened 2,000 years ago, but let's not in 2023 miss the metaphor for us that is buried in this scripture, that's buried in this moment. He starts to get his eyes on the wind and the waves. He starts to see the the overcoming power of the, the storm. And what's he start to do when his eyes are off Jesus and his eyes are on all of the elements, he starts to sink. Do you know what the metaphor for us here? You know what wind and waves are for us? It's just called real life. Some of you, you walk in here this weekend and the winds and waves of life feel like they're winning right now. They are beating you down. They are pressing up against the boat of your life and you're afraid and you're not sure how you're gonna get through it. And some of you even in here like me, and I understand this, I have empathy for you. Like me in 2021, you feel like quitting. Just, just sink it, just sink me, I'm done, right? Like life's hard sometimes. And you know what made life hard for Pete? Trying. That's what set him up to sink, was that he tried in the first place. He was willing to take that kind of risk. But can I tell you Hills Church, who I think took a bigger risk than Pete in that moment, I think the 11 guys who chose to sit in the boat and vicariously watch Pete live his life. I think that's as if not more risky than Pete getting out of the boat, they're in there with their, you know, I, I would say this because I know, I know where my heart can go. If I would have been one of the 11 disciples, I would, we all wanna think we'd be Pete in that moment and we'd be the one to go, I'll do it. But 11 of the 12, there was some, I think this just speaks to our human nature. We're like, yeah, I don't wanna do that. And you know what I, you know what I think, and I can't prove this, but I think that when he finally sunk, they all took a big exhale, like, oh, thank God. Thank God that didn't work because we would have had to live with the implications of the fact that he got out and tried and did something nobody else has ever done. And so I bet they may have even got a little bit of self-righteousness once he started sinking, you know, getting out their computers and starting their blogs. We told him not to do it. Like that was, right? Like, you know, with with their dry robes and their pride still intact. Meanwhile, he's out there flailing and he's starting to sink and he's crying out to Jesus. Lord, help me. Now, again, thank God I'm not Jesus, but if I'm Jesus, do you know what makes sense to me? in this moment with Pete. It's not doing what Jesus actually did. What would make sense with me, so we have a, a learning lesson, this is kind of what makes sense to me as a parent, is I'm gonna let Pete drown for, for a little bit. I'm gonna let him flail for a while. I, I wanna build up a little trauma, a little PTSD from this moment so he doesn't have the audacity to try and play God again and get out on the water and do all the things that I'm here doing. That's my lane, not Pete. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach this child a little lesson. I'm gonna let him sink maybe 30 Maybe 45, I don't know, it depends on the size of his lungs, but I wanna get him close, and then I'm gonna sweep down like a parent would do in the last minute and I'm gonna grab him so that we can have a life talk after that, right? But Hills Church, this is so awesome. This is not the heart of God. What's it say when Pete cried out, Lord, save me? Immediately, immediately he reached out his hand, it says, and caught him. This is the gospel. Because Jesus is gonna have a talk with them. Jesus is gonna process with them. Jesus is gonna get in the boat and talk about what went right and what went wrong. And I'm not looking at success here and I'm not really wanting to think about the failure because I I told Pastor Jonathan this this week, I said, I don't know if this is right of me, but part of me is kind of glad that he at first succeeded. And then part of me is kind of glad that about halfway through when life was getting real, he kind of failed trying. It shows his Humanity it shows us this tension and dynamic between us and God. We were created for something so much more supernatural and divine than we are currently able to experience. But every now and then, like I had in that hotel room, you just get to have these walk on water divine moments where God is just doing something awesome and beautiful and powerful through you. But then a week later, some storms can hit in your life. Some news can happen in your life. The diagnosis can happen in your family or in your life. And all of a sudden, man, you're not, you're not a bad human for getting your eyes on the winds and the waves. You're just human. And so Jesus doesn't punish him. Jesus doesn't let a little trauma or PTSD get in him so he doesn't do this again or make a mistake again. Jesus saves him immediately. And this is the gospel, my friends. Jesus saves the minute you call out to him. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's no vetting there's no lesson teaching, there's no punishing. He just saves, but then the next thing he does is he's like, okay, I saved you, you're safe, you're good, but now let's have a little time. Now let's do this, I save, but then I disciple. Now let's disciple. And he says, oh, you of little faith. Pete, why did you doubt? And I don't know about you who are familiar with this story, but a lot of times what we do, whether we mean to or not, is we project who we think God is onto the tone of God. We don't get told what Jesus's tone here is, right? But isn't it interesting that almost all of us, if we were asked, we would assume Jesus was put off and a little frustrated here? Doesn't it sound like that? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It sounds like a disappointed dad. But man, I've just been doing this Jesus thing now long enough and reading the scriptures front to back now long enough to know the true character and heart of God. You know, in fact, there's, there's part of me when I used to read this story and it, I, would, I would hate to admit it, but God already knows my heart anyways because it would seem disrespectful to God. But I was always like, God, why are you having this talk with Pete? Shouldn't you be having that talk with the 11 guys who stayed in the boat? Like, oh, you have no faith. You have nothing to doubt because you try nothing, Right? Like to me, Pete showed an immense amount of beautiful faith, but I no longer project a tone of frustration onto this text because I don't one bit believe that is the tone of Jesus in this moment. I think this is Jesus going, do you see, son, what a mustard seed of faith can do? You literally just walked on water. But here's what happened. Real life got in the way and you started to doubt. And I love you so much, and I have such great things and such plans for you, Peter, just like he has for all of us. Let's process where the doubt came from. This isn't me being, this isn't me rebuking you. Oh, you have such little faith. Where's that doubt? This is Jesus going, let's talk, where'd the the doubt come from, Pete? Well, I started to see the waves picking up, and I've been in this situation as a professional fisherman before, and I know what can happen in these moments, and I just got really scared, and I'm super sorry, Jesus, but I started, I know if I would've just kept looking at you, I know I could have walked some more steps. But Jesus is going, no, like, I love you, Pete, for getting out of the boat and trying. And this isn't the last time I'm gonna ask you for my glory to do something crazy. So let's learn from this moment. But just know this, what gave Pete permission to have that conversation with Jesus was that first he immediately saved him. This is the gospel, he saves. I say this all the time when I'm with you, but I'm never gonna quit saying it because it's the gospel in its purest foundation and form is that when you give your life to Jesus, those 27 of you who are gonna go public next weekend, because you gave your life to Jesus, the minute you did that, you were made perfect in his eyes. The the, the spectrum this world creates of success and, and failure became incredibly unimportant to God. It still may be important to your peers. It may even be important to you, I'm not even going to get into that, but what I can tell you is that success was procured and finished 2,000 years ago on the cross of Jesus Christ. You sit here now perfect. You sit here now holy. You sit here right now righteous because of what Jesus has done before you. So you just keep in this life. It's precisely knowing that Jesus has finished the work for you that causes you to get out of boats and say, I'm going to be a trier the rest of my life. I'm gonna keep experimenting things for the glory of Jesus for the rest of my life. And I'm not gonna get obsessed. With success, and I'm not going to get obsessed with failure. When I'm succeeding, I will never get cocky because it is the grace and glory of God that allowed me to get out of the boat again today in the first place. And when I start to sink, there will be no condemnation that I feel because it's not about the sinking or the walking on water. It's about me and Jesus doing life together the way we were originally intended to do it. And whether I'm sinking or whether I'm valiantly gliding across the water and breaking the laws of science isn't ultimately the point. The point was that, who was the closest in proximity to Jesus after that moment? It was Pete. It was the trying that brought proximity. Sure, he sunk, but guess what? As he was sinking and failing in the eyes of the 11 guys, who was closest to Jesus? The one who just in life wouldn't give up. I think about our pastor James, and I hear his words in James chapter one, I believe it's verse 18, where he says, blessed is the man or woman who has persevered under trial or under trying. For at the proper time, he or she will receive the crown of life that has been promised to them. I'm gonna land this plane with this. I, uh how long ago was it? Over a year ago, coming out of 2021, I was sitting in my office and I was supposed to be writing a sermon for where I was going to preach that weekend. I was supposed to be doing hard, grown-up work. And what I found myself doing, and I know none of you have ever done this, but I found myself in the vortex of YouTube, right? Just going down that wormhole and video after video. And I don't know how I even got there, but one video leads to another interesting yet useless (laughs) video. And I came across a video. It was 25 minutes long. I definitely didn't have the time for that. So what did I do? I watched it all. It was a video of a commencement speech at the University of Southern California. It was one of their former students, guy, you may have heard of him, his name's Will Farrell, um, kind of a funny guy. And they had asked him as an alumnus to give the commencement speech. And, and my rule of thumb is if Will Farrell's giving a commencement speech, I stop and listen to it all, period. It's just what I do. I'm bound to do that. And for the first 20 minutes, Will Farrell was being Will Farrell. He was doing exactly what you would have expected him to do. He was just hilarious. Just had the, the students and the teachers dying, laughing the whole time, just telling a bunch of funny anecdotal experiences during his time in college, cracking everyone up. And then he, in the last five minutes, did what they probably paid him very well to do, was he brought it home and he landed the plane. And he started getting a little more serious with them. And he started talking to the students in that speech about, all the things he went through before anyone ever heard the name Will Ferrell. He just started talking about the immense amount of times he just kept trying to do what he really felt passionate and called to do and just kept failing talked about all the times he tried stand-up comedy and realized he was not good at stand-up comedy and he started talking about all the times that you know he did this or that sketch comedy and none of it was where he tried out for commercials or parts and didn't get any of it he said and then all of a sudden it just started working and now everybody knows me but he said this i just want you to know this before anybody knew my name here's what i just kept doing and he used this analogy he goes i just kept throwing darts at the dartboard he goes, and most of the time I throw the darts at the dartboard and they'd hit the board and they'd fall or they'd miss the board completely, right? You guys, you know, that's like if you have a dartboard in your house, fixing up a lot of drywall stuff. He goes, most of them didn't, didn't stick or didn't land or didn't even hit the, even close to the mark. He goes, but every now and then you just keep trying enough. You just keep throwing enough darts at the dartboard in life. He goes, eventually some are gonna start to stick. And he goes, and that happened for me. And he goes, that's gonna happen for you too. He goes, so go out there and courageously just keep trying keep throwing darts at the dartboard. And I I was so, because of the season I had just went through, I was so blessed and overwhelmed by that video. It spoke so much to me in that moment because I needed to hear it. Because I was still in that God I'm trying season that I called my wife in and I said, hey, watch this commencement speech with me. And we watched the whole thing over again to the end. And my wife was like, that was really neat. That was really cool. And she walked out and never talked about it again. (laughs) Week and a half later, I'm in my office again doing some work. It's the afternoon, kids are at school. I hear a knock on the door. And here's the rule of thumb. If it's the afternoon, your kids are at school, there's a knock on the door. We know who it is. And gentlemen, I'm about to trigger you, but we know who it always is. It's the Amazon, right? And me and my wife, we have a don't ask, don't tell policy because it just gets us in fights. And I'm like, how many more jobs do I have to get to you know, for you to have Amazon in your life. But anyways, that doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, now I'm just talking to myself. That, that was therapeutic, you guys don't need that, right? I need it, okay. Move on, Chad. So it's Amazon and I go out the door and I pick it up and I usually just put it on the island and don't even look at it so I don't have anger in my heart. And I happened to look at it and it was addressed to me. And I was like, I didn't order anything from Amazon. So I opened it. And when I opened it, there was this huge picture in a picture frame and you can go ahead and put that up on the screens. It was that right there. That is a patent, a copy of the patent of the dartboard from 1935 when it was invented. And I had gotten this picture from Amazon and in there was a note from my wife who you saw on the video earlier. The love of my life, the one whose opinion on earth matters more to me than anyone else's opinion. Me having her respect matters more to me than anyone on earth, apart from Jesus, her respect matters more to me than anything. Come on, husbands, you know what that's like, to be to be respected by your wife. (sighs) When you deserve it and when you don't, what a feeling, man, it's fuel to the, it's rocket fuel to the soul. And she wrote a note and I won't go into all the note, but sorry, I get emotional, but this is a personal thing to me. And I hope it translates to some of you who are really trying right now and it doesn't feel like it's working out. She just wrote in there, babe, keep throwing darts at the dartboard. Almost nobody knows what we've gone through, but I know exactly what we've gone through and I have watched you, babe, try and try and try for our family try to protect us, try to provide for us, try to keep moving forward in a very vulnerable and difficult season. And she just said, I am so incredibly proud of the man that you are. And I was hearing this from my wife At a time where I was probably least proud of the man I thought I was in that moment, not realizing how sincerely and hard for all of the things that weren't working, I was simply trying. My wife's voice in that letter might as well been the voice of God that I heard in that hotel room. Just God yet again going, son, I love you for trying. And I know this message isn't perfectly tailored for everyone in the room today, but keep it in your back pocket because we're all gonna go through these seasons. But for those of you who are in here right now or listening online and you just can sincerely say, man, everything is not going super great, but I am genuinely for the glory of Jesus really trying to do this thing called life well. I am really genuinely trying to live this thing with integrity and with character and with mission and purpose and with some passion. And I just came to remind you that regardless of this stupid success and failure spectrum that our world and our culture has created for each other to measure each other by, can I just remind you, you serve a God who just by you stepping out of the boat, whether you sink a little bit or you walk or you do a little bit of both on that spectrum, God is just saying, son, I love you for trying. Daughter, daughter of God, I love you for trying for trying. So Hills Church, please, 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 for those of you in that season right now, can you just know, I, I'm, I'm, I wish I could be God right now and speak as powerfully as him, but I'm just gonna trust you hear the voice of God, not me. He absolutely is proud of you for trying this experiment called life, not giving up. Persevering, And at some point, blessed is the man or woman who perseveres under trial. For at the proper time, you will receive a crown of life. If you do not give up, do not grow weary in doing well, my children. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. So one more time, I say this in faith, trusting God's at work. Son, daughter, I love you for trying. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.